Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jamie. And listen, before you start thinking that the Happy Hour has turned into a sports podcast, because we have another sports person on here, I want to stop you in case you're like, Jamie, I'm not a sports girl. Come on. This podcast, although it is with a coach of a major university here in Texas who has won a national championship, I want you to know this conversation that we had today is way deeper than basketball or coaching. Today on the show, Scott Drew joins me, and he is a national championship winning coach at Baylor University, which is right here, close to me in Waco, Texas. And Scott joined me, and the reason I got a hold of Scott, because if you've listened, his cousin Jill was recently on, and so Jill connected us. And listen, I'm telling you, this interview was so much fun for me. First of all, you guys know I love sports. I love coaches. Actually, fun fact, did you know that I was a coach right out of college? Yes. My first teaching job, I was a coach. I thought forever that when my kids went back to school, I would go back to teaching and coaching. And I just really love, I love the idea of pouring into athletes and students and maybe my dream was to be a coach. But here I am talking to coaches. Today on the show, Scott Drew and I chat about what it was like to show up in Waco, Texas in 2003 after Baylor University has been, had been through one of the biggest college scandals that has ever yet to be. He had only been a head coach for one year and he takes his job. And so he walks us through that. And then what you might know or you might not know is eventually he did win a national championship with college uh, men's basketball at Baylor University. And so we talk about that. He's also a dad to three. And I loved getting to know him. And he did offer me Baylor tickets. So Coach Drew, listen, I'm going to show up at a game and I'm going to be all in green. You guys, you're going to love my conversation with Coach Drew. Here is Scott Drew of Baylor University on the happy hour that is not a sports podcast but i love talking to sports people here's our conversation coach drew welcome to the happy hour well thanks for having me this is exciting to chat with you and for those of you that are listeners to the happy hour i talked to your cousin a couple weeks ago and we had just the greatest time uh chatting and she's doing phenomenal work so like i'm so like in awe and amazed at all she's doing but also she's lovely and she talks so highly of you scott <laughs> well, I gave her good Christmas gifts, I guess, back in the day. <laughs> no, she told me that you guys basically grew up together and just lived yeah. a lot of life together. Yeah, our our families, we, um, you know, back in the day, uh, uh, every Christmas, Thanksgiving, it seemed like everybody would get together. Nowadays, uh, for us, we have so many different sporting events. It seems like we're always traveling and playing somewhere. And I, I'm lucky to be with my own family, a little, let alone extended family, uncles and aunts and cousins, but really close family. Jill did a great job on the podcast. I really enjoyed uh, listening to it. I love the green earrings. Today, you got the best dressed earrings in the state of Texas. So that's thank really you, good. Thank you. Uh, you know, I am a little embarrassed now that I know that you listened to the interview because I did I did say something that I regretted 
fully afterwards, but I kept it in because it was kind of funny. Uh, yeah. When Jill told me she was a Baylor fan, I was like, oh, you went to Baylor. She goes, no. And I, it just rolled out of my tongue, Scott. Like, I don't even know who I am. Why did I say this? I love Jesus. I'm not trying to be mean. And I said, Jill, who chose for Baylor that didn't go to Baylor? And listen, I would like to publicly apologize to the world and to you as well about that. <laughs> Appreciate it. You know, Baylor is the largest Baptist school in the nation. So um, it, being a Christian school and in the South, you got to cheer for Baylor. Listen, I want to tell you this, and I say this, I said it just this weekend. I was watching football games and I said, I'm a Texas fan through and through because I've lived in Austin for 14 years, but I did. I said this out loud at a Texas watch party. I was in actually San Diego and I found a place where people were watching the game. And so uh, they asked me all kinds of questions about Texas. And I said, but I will always 100% play cheer for Baylor unless they're playing Texas. I, I love you guys. Awesome. I, I love the football. I love the basketball. I love everything you guys got, have going on over there. So I've got my green earrings today. Yeah. If you're ever playing, I'm cheering for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll listen to the other podcast to make sure you're not just saying that for anyone that's on here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, when Jill said, you know, well, the reason I cheer for Baylor is because my 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 cousin is the basketball coach there. I thought, oh my gosh, I have been just really longing to talk to you for a long time because I've been super impressed from afar as someone who really appreciates sports in my life as well. And someone who just really, I mean, I love a good story, you know, and, and you guys have a really great story there at Baylor with the program you've created. And I... I'm so happy to have you here. So in case anyone doesn't know, <laughs> tell us what you do at Baylor University. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a basketball coach. This is going on year 20, so the 20th season. So we've really been blessed. Uh, we've been able to have a lot of success on the court. But uh, uh, what I really enjoy about being a Baylor is, is we call it preparing champions for life. And mm. uh, it's spiritual, it's academic, it's character formation, and it's athletic. So um, the fact that we get a chance uh, uh, being in a Christian school to pour into our guys spiritually. Um, and then we have a Baylor built program, which basically teaches them when uh, their life ends with basketball and it stops bouncing, how to fill out a job resume, how to do interviews and, and, and to build their character that it's going to be needed to be successful in life. Along with uh, obviously uh, every college is tough in the state of Texas. Baylor is no exception. It's a great uh, academic school and we just got R1 status. So uh, uh, a tremendous accomplishment and the Lord's really blessed us. Well, you've done a lot of work there. In fact, I've interviewed two people that um, that you know, Jonathan Evans and John O. And I was texting with John O this morning and told him, "Hey, I'm I'm talking to Coach Drew this morning." And he said in his text to me, he said, "You were by far the nicest coach he ever had." And so <laughs> I love that you can be a winning basketball coach and still be nice. So there's that. <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit about basketball because you just said you're entering your 20th year, and first of all, just in athletics college level and professional level that is a long time to be at one school and so congrats on that and I think that there's something to that to be said about really diving into the community and diving into players but you came to Baylor I want to refresh everyone's memory without going into anything they can't read on the internet you came to Baylor in 2003 and you said this uh, I mean you were just you can I'm assuming that you were just kind of maybe young and naive. I don't know, coach. Young and, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> young and dumb coming in. You had been a head coach for one year at and you had a great career the, ahead of you. You know, you were at a great school, a great career head coach, uh, took over the program from your dad. Show up at Baylor in two thousand three after Baylor has been through, I think, probably the biggest scandal in college, maybe 
all college, but basketball for sure. Um, and this is what you said at the at the press conference. You said, "We can, we can win. We have the chance to win a national championship at Baylor University." I'm sure everyone was like, "This guy has lost his ever loving mind." <laughs> you said, "We have the resources, we have the people, we have the leadership, and I think we have the family atmosphere to do it down here." And that's my goal in the next few years to bring Baylor to that forefront. And you did really come in. You talk about in your book, "The Road to Joy." You talk about really coming in with this attitude of like, "I don't." want to just win games like I'm not just coaching to win I want to win a national championship and you eventually did that but I want to go back to those first couple of years 2003 four five in those early years can you give us a little insight into what was it like to come into a program that literally had crumbled I mean everything about it had crumbled and people probably thought you have lost your mind <laughs> tell me a little bit about that in those early years well, the great thing is uh, uh, it was a walk-on's dream because <laughs> we show up at Baylor and we only have and, and we had a couple uh, uh, players dealing with academic issues. So we were between like six and eight scholarship players um, for most of, most of the year. And so that meant half our team were walk-ons. Not only were they walk-ons, but that means they actually had a chance to play. And I remember our, our walk-on tryout. First, first of all, we got to Baylor and it was the end of August. So it was too late to recruit. So really you're looking on the college campus and, Baylor is a great college, but we don't have a lot of six nine kids walking around our school. So most of them are six foot, um, typical walk-ons, and we do a walk-on tryout. We know half the team's going to be walk-ons. We show up, and I'm like, wow, there's some tall, athletic players here. So we call them all over, and Coach Driscoll's uh, our assistant coach at the time is kind of running the walk-on tryout. He says, all right, what year and where do you live at Baylor University? And about half the hands go up. <laughs> Uh, I'm from Dallas. I'm from Houston. I go to a junior cut. Wait, you actually have to go to school in Baylor to play. <laughs> so, this is a high school kid's so right dream. Away, yeah, yeah. So right away, about half the people walk out. We're left with the six foot walk ons. Um, but we were able to find uh, uh, one six five uh, pre med student, Robbie McKenzie, who's a doctor now and very successful. But half our team were walk ons. So I don't know if you were in Austin at the time, but it nothing like going down to Austin and you. You got six and seven walk-ons on the team and they got six and seven McDonald's All-Americans and you know it's going to be a long night but uh that group really laid the foundation uh how hard they competed how mm. they represented the school and that really allowed us to build and um I know I'm fast forwarding but when we won the national championship uh one of my favorite memories was we Coming out of COVID, first time crowds are gathered. We had a parade. It's like 14 blocks of fans. Our players are like, we didn't know that there were this many people in Waco. <laughs> um, everybody's out. And we had our past players all lead. Mm. And so we had even 85-year-olds that were walking with their grandkids. Oh my and gosh. they got to go because they laid the foundation yeah. for Baylor basketball. And um, to see their excitement, the joy they had. And then our staff went with our families. And then the players rode last. Um, but that was really, really neat to see everyone that's contributed uh, to the success throughout the years. You know, that's interesting. There's so many, like, I, someone can just take your little quote right here and make a sermon out of it, Scott. That is just so important about how we don't know the foundation we're laying for the next generation. But I want to I want to ask you, from a coaching perspective, in those early years, I mean, you straight up said, I'm coming here to win a national championship. And it would be, what, what are we looking at, like 19, 18 years later, that that would happen. Um, yeah. When did you start to, well, I know you're going to tell me you thought it from the day one because you said it in the conference, <laughs> but let's be real here. When did yeah. you start to think like, I think that something special is going to happen at this school? 
Well, I, I, I first of all came to Baylor because I, I, you're praying about any decision in life, uh, let alone major decisions like moving your family um, to a school uh, uh, that's not close to home and away from all your family, friends, and loved ones. And let's be honest, um, at that time, it was Waco. And Waco, yes. all of you new people, was not like it was then. I mean, you know, it is small town, not much going on. Yeah, this, this is prior to Chip and Joanne Gaines, Magnolia, <laughs> all the athletic success at Baylor. Um, um, but as far as uh, uh, 08, the first time we went to the NCAA tournament, and 2010, I think it really uh, became realistic to our players, our fans. Uh, we lose to Duke in the Elite Eight. It's in Houston. There's over 43,000 Baylor fans, green and gold, everywhere. And uh, at that point, Duke, beats us in a really close game. They win a national championship and you're like, dang, we could have won a national mm. championship. And then in 2012, we go to the elite eight, lose to Kentucky. They had Anthony Davis, uh, a great team. And I don't know if we could have, they were probably a better team than us, but they played Kansas in the national championship. And we had just beaten Kansas in the big 12 tournament. Mm -hmm. So literally you're maybe the second best team and there's 358 division one schools. So it's not like there's just a hundred. Right. I mean, there's a mm -hmm. lot of schools and the fact to be that close. And then from there, we had a couple uh, a sweet 16s where we lost the final four teams and you're just knocking, knocking. And then obviously you win the championship. But I think the, to answer your question, 2010, it really became real. Like, man, we were close to winning a national championship and probably could have. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Oh, Dad, we're on. Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean Foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last crunch berry. No! No one steals my crunch berries. I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. You know, you talked about even in that first statement that you gave at your first day on the campus of Baylor University, you talk about this family atmosphere. And that is a sense I get mm -hmm. from you, even from watching, you know, press conferences and from afar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your cousin Jill reinforced that. And then even reading your book, The Road to Joy, I saw that as well. A lot of coaches talk about a family atmosphere. And, and I've talked to, you know, a couple of different coaches uh, who really, you know, I just talked to Christy Malzahn, Gus Malzahn's wife, and love her as a friend. And she talks about their family atmosphere. And there really is something to having yourself as this kind of father figure in these college athletes' life. How important is a family atmosphere for a team sport who, I mean, you spend maybe, I don't know, you're, maybe Kelly could tell us, you might spend more time with these boys, you know, from October yeah. to March than your own family. And so how important is that family atmosphere? 
Well, that's a great question, and and it's and it's a big question. And why I say that is, we're it's it's no longer where it's October to to March or April. Uh, it's a year round thing. Um, and why I say that is, uh, student athletes in college now go year round, mm. and in the summertime we're working out with them. Uh, we get limited hours. It's four hours with us, four hours with the strength coach, but basically you're with them every day. And people want to know like what do coaches do? Like you just assume you show up, you practice, you leave. But it's kind of like uh, uh, raising a family. If you got three kids, I mean, we have 15, 13 scholarships, usually two walk-ons. Then you have 14 managers and GAs. That's 29, 18 to 24-year-olds. So you want to know what we do? We're parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got four and I can barely keep family. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're blessed to be able to be parents to, to these people that uh, were given for a season. And uh, um, I, I know uh, we spend a lot of time going out to eat with our guys. We're allowed to occasionally have meals with them. And uh, like I just got back from breakfast with one of our players. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, uh, the the opportunity again to prepare champions for life and um, people think it's it's just on the court and really if you're a mess off the court you're going to be a mess on the court so um, we know in life uh, 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 coaches are really blessed with an opportunity to speak to youth and hopefully help mold and help them grow and the challenge for us always is um, making sure that we we prioritize our home life as well because um, it, it's tough enough in in this world where the divorce rate is so high. But in in coaching the coaching profession, you travel so much, you're gone so much, and uh, uh, the one regret you often hear from coaches is I didn't spend enough time mm. at home. So really, the quality time with our kids and and them having an opportunity to come to the office, come to games travel with the team. Um, that's really important. And that kind of goes into the family atmosphere. Um, I know I've given a long answer, but I'm going to keep going. My dad was my, was my mentor was also the head coach at Valpo, the person I learned from when I was an assistant for him. And basically uh, he was in the college hall of fame. He did a great job. And I, a lot of the things that we do, obviously I learned from him and life is short. And it, you want to spend it with people you enjoy being with. So for us, bringing in the right student athletes mm. that we want to spend time with, that we feel we can help, that want to be helped, that also are good role models for our kids because our kids look up to our student athletes. It all kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, so my daughter's a freshman at Baylor. A lot of our past players, I'll show them pictures like uh, uh, them taking a picture with her when she was like five years uh-huh. old. <laughs> a Baylor cheerleading outfit. And they're like, man, I'm getting old. I said, tell me about it. I'm getting old, you know? <laughs> I know. I was going to mention how exciting it is, I'm sure, to have your daughter on campus as well. You know, you talk about how important it is to to really, you know, nurture your own family. You're, you have three kids and a wife. And uh, I just would love to hear from you from a dad's perspective is what are some things that you do to really make sure that your family, even though they have a dad and a husband who has a, a really high intense and, you know, a really time consuming job, what are the things that you do to make sure that those four people know that, that they have your undivided attention? Well, I think uh, very similar to our program, uh, we have a culture of joy, Jesus, others, yourself. Um, uh, if, if Christ is at the center of what you do, uh, then, I mean, uh, uh, 
Um, teacher, what's the greatest commandment of the law? Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. If you're keeping God at the center and you're loving people uh, like you want uh, uh, to love yourself, uh, so you're treating them right, um, that's the foundation to everything. Uh, my wife, she deserves all the credit. Coaches uh, are only successful if they have great wives. And that's mm-hmm. why when we interview uh, coaches for assistant jobs, I mean, their wives are so critical and important because uh, they have s- such a big role to play when we're gone traveling mm-hmm. and uh, uh, raising the family. And um, so so I'm really blessed to have a great wife and Kelly. Uh, our kids, um, they'll tell you everything I did wrong, probably. <laughs> um, but I'm really blessed to have a, a, a three great children. And iron sharpens iron. I have a staff that each and every day, hopefully, I become a better husband, a mm-hmm. better father, a better man, um, because uh, uh, I really try to hire people that, uh, make me better. And again, it's a short life. Uh, you want to do life with people that, uh, uh, inspire, motivate you and make you better. It's so good. You know, that's right. You mentioned joy and in 2019, you reached out to a ton of other coaches, um, and really started taking on this, this concept of joy, Jesus, Jesus, others, yourself, and implementing that with your players and coaches and staff. I want to hear about that, but I also just want to ask you a question. You are at the largest Baptist university in the country. You guys have phenomenal athletic programs. Can you talk a little bit about the tension between um, recruiting and not everyone that plays basketball loves Jesus, you know? And so where, how do you find the tension or how do you manage the tension of really talking about Jesus, others, yourself first, maybe with players who are like, I don't even love Jesus. Like, how, how do you deal with that with your staff and your players? Yeah, great question. So uh, first of all, coaches are great at stealing ideas from other people. And we've always had a Christ Center program, but Tony Dungy actually uh, was the first one to come up with the joy concept. Dabo Sweeney got it from him. We got it from Dabo. And it's an easier way for us to teach what we're teaching, just a a way for our players to uh, constantly, we want them to play with joy. And uh, there's a meaning behind the joy as well. And uh, with that, uh, I think uh, uh, you look at uh, um, our, our program and our players. I mean, Jesus came for the sick. All of us are, are sinners. We're saved by grace, through faith. Um, so uh, the big thing is we don't want to bring in student athletes that uh, wouldn't feel comfortable mm. being a part of our culture. Yeah. At the same time, if they're open to our culture and want to grow, just like each and every day, hopefully I'm growing and becoming uh, uh, a better person, um, a better father, better husband, better coach, um, better Christian man. Hopefully uh, the student athletes that we uh, bring in, they'll know what we do, how we do things. I mean, we start practice in prayer. We end practice in prayer. Uh, we have a players uh, only Bible study. Um we have a, a, a no cussing policy of practice. You got pushups. We run lines um, for, for curse words. Now, again, all of us sin, all of us make mistakes, but this is just the culture. Yeah. This is, if you want to be a part of it, great. We'd love to have you. If not, that's awesome because there's a lot of coaches <laughs> that do it different ways. Yeah. I, I I equate it to getting a four. I mean, two plus two equals four. Three plus one equals four. Four plus O equals four. Six minus two equals four. So you can get to yeah. four a million ways. It doesn't it make any of them right or wrong. Mm-hmm. This is just how we get to four. Yeah, I think it's so good, not even in a basketball context, but just in a life context. Like anyone that's listening can take what you're talking about and say, hey, I've created these standards or I've created these boundaries. I've created the way that I want to run my company, run my family run my classroom fill in the blank and people will rise up to the occasion if they know what is um 
what they're held responsible for as well. Uh, you, One of the things I found very interesting was you coach your players on what you call joy interviews. And mm. man, I found this so interesting because this is going to take a lesson that your players learn into their into their life long. And, and let's be honest, most of players and college athletes, a small percentage are going to go on and play professional sports. So they're learning lifelong lessons on the court, on the field, uh, in the gym, and then they're going to go into the real world and you do joy interviews. Can you tell us about those? Yeah. So, so uh, again, like you were just saying, uh, you learn from other people and, and it's all, it, it all translates. And what I mean is if I hear uh, one of my friends uh, runs a very successful company and he he, he does morning uh, uh, basically prayer times Bible studies provides food if if, if employees want to come they'll they'll do a quick Bible study they'll pray for the day um, who doesn't want free food mm-hmm. and like so there's ways to always uh, um, do things better or get new ideas and it doesn't just come from sports world it comes from business world comes from family members uh, uh, one, one of the pastors in town um, when when I first got here first couple of years we'd always have him come to talk about raising children because his five children were all older than our children mm-hmm. and like what did you learn? Like, what are best practices? So I love, you can learn from anyone and everyone has something to offer. And one thing with Joy Interviews, players and in, in, uh, st- uh, uh, student athletes th- uh, this day and age, 25 and under, it's all video, mm-hmm. right? They all watch everything. So uh, when when a player uh, uh, gives a Joy Interview, gives credit to uh, uh, Jesus Christ, his Lord and Savior, when he talks about his teammates or coaches or, or anybody else, and then he talks about himself, we'll actually show that interview. And then uh, it's amazing. Some players, mm-hmm. wow. wow talk he said that about me um and then also you learn from seeing someone else do it and it it makes it easier for you to do but uh again every everything we try to do uh is a part of building our culture making it stronger and obviously that's always pointing up i love it because you see these players after games and when they talk about their teammates you just think man that is some maturity right there to be able to lift other people up instead of themselves all right let's talk about 2020 and 2021 uh we don't need to explain to anyone what 2020 did for everyone's lives but you guys were on a roll coach drew uh for the 2020 season i think i i wrote down that you guys had won your first game as a number uh number one ranked team in the country you set a big 12 record with 23 games in a row uh one and 94 games with out a loss then we all know what happened in march and so how as a as a leader of these student athletes who covid was hard for everybody but i do see like my students were in high school my kids were in high school when that happened and i see college kids who were greatly affected by just the world shutting down dreams being lost um things they thought were going to happen not happening how did you kind of i was going to say pastor but you are how did you lead your student athletes through that that season that felt like a like a a bigger win than you ever had was right on your fingertips yeah well it it was it was obviously uh um a time where everyone was learning together how to deal with covid and um uh one of the positive things about covid is we learn how to do these podcasts and zooms a lot more than (laughs) have to do things in person but uh uh, one thing one thing that uh, we really tried to do uh with our players it was first time ever being in a bubble and we always want to learn from other people that were in a bubble. So, um, uh, and, and basically, uh, uh, college teams, they, they seclude themselves in like bubbles when they go to bowl games. So picking, uh, um, their brain from, from, uh, mm. 
a standpoint, what do you do with your teams when you're secluded like that? Other professional sports, when they were in a bubble, what did you do? And then we tried to come up with uh, uh, what we thought would fit our team. Um, so what we did was uh, we we're for four weeks, basically we're in a hotel together and uh, it, we just tried to have fun with the guys. First thing we did was we had a team room and we made it. We, when you're blessed to be a number one seed, you get a big room. I like that. So we had a lot of space, and that's the year to be a number one seed. Now, we've been uh, uh, ranked uh, number one three straight years, and uh, uh, that's a blessing. But if there's ever a time to be ranked number one, it's during a bubble and a COVID. We had this big team room. We got a basketball goal. <laughs> We had cornhole. Um, we had Connect Four. We had Uno cards. We had a, a a PlayStation area video game. So we had like a players' lounge. So most teams uh, would be up in their hotel rooms, and everyone had their own hotel room because of COVID. And basically, you you practice, go up, be secluded all day, and that's miserable. Mm -hmm. and, we were able to have fun with each other in the team room. We did a lot of uh, Uno tournaments, uh, uh, Connect Four tournaments, karaoke night, uh, movie night. But we just had a lot of fun with our guys. And when you're enjoying what you're doing, it makes it easier to compete and try to win on the court. Yeah. And and it was amazing. Like you would know teams were going to lose when they're like, I can't wait to get out of this bubble. <laughs> I can't wait to get home. Yeah. And you know, going into a game, that's not the attitude you want to have. So uh, uh, the best thing about winning a championship is you get to bring everybody back hopefully at some point. And when they come back, 10-year reunion, 25-year reunion. I know for our coaching staff, the best memories will be the the times we were able to spend with them uh, in the hotel. It's kind of like going on a summer camp uh, back in the day when all of us were mm -hmm. going summer camp. We did it for four weeks. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on. Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean Le Foot. <laughs> Stole our crunch! Quick, the zip line! He's getting away! Throw our last crunch berry! No! No one steals my crunch berries. I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I want to read something from your book. And you talk about, um, as a team, you guys had this group exercise that you get. that, And you went around the, around the circle and one by one sharing something that you were afraid of. And you were talking about um, fear and wanting to overcome things. And I was really struck by, you said that, that you went first. And you didn't just go first with like, I'm afraid and just like something, you know, out there, you print pretty deep and vulnerable. And so I'm going to read what you said. And then I have a question about it. This was your moment of saying what you're afraid of. You said, I'm afraid that there will be a moment in a close game when we need the referees to look at a situation in our favor. And because I'm not a big name coach, because I'm not one of those yelling and cursing, because I'm not in the Hall of Fame, that you won't get the call you deserve. I fear that with everything on the line, my stature or demeanor will work against you. I believe that has happened before, and my fear is that it will happen again. And I read that, and I thought, man, Coach, that was just really opening yourself up to be very vulnerable with your student athletes and to be very just um, 
kind of on the same page with them of like I have great fears as well. I'm I'm I have I'm going into games fierce with fears. What do you think either that exercise or even you going first and you being really vulnerable? How did that help your team also become vulnerable in that moment? Well, uh, what, what's great is when you've been in coaching long enough, you're able to learn from your former players that are in coaching. And uh, Greg Tonegal uh, has won three championships at Indiana Wesleyan, and uh, he he played point guard for us at Valparaiso University. And he always talked about his team playing fearless, and that was one of the things that they did with their team. And I thought that was a great idea. And uh, um, obviously what I shared was uh, from the heart and uh, – I in, in, in sports, um, as you know, uh, officials aren't perfect, coaches aren't perfect, players aren't perfect. And in close games, one possession can win or lose a game. And uh, by going first, uh, normally you just uh, set the tone. And the, the one thing that uh, uh, it was great from that was I think our players are like, yeah, you know, we're going to be up so much that coach, you can't screw us over with the, not getting a call, you know, but we're not going to put you more, in that situation. coach. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was more like uh, uh, when you see someone's uh, uh, um, you want to protect each other. And I think they wanted to protect mm. uh, uh, us and not make sure we were in because of one possession game, anything can happen. Yeah. Anyone can miss a shot, lose a ball turnover. Um, but to be up where you aren't in that situation. And I thought the players really rallied, uh, to make sure we weren't in a one possession game. Um, it, it, at the same time, some of the what things they shared, and I didn't obviously, uh, I want to put that in the book. Uh, it was, it, it was just awesome. And, uh, uh, the spiritual depth of, um, some people, uh, uh, because after s- part of the exercise was after you state a fear, then someone to speak the truth about that mm-hmm. fear. And, and, uh, I remember once I said that a couple of the coaches are like, no, uh, uh, coach, you are a hall of fame coach. Um, uh, and, and they just, you build somebody up yeah. and, um, basically, uh, uh, to hear some of the players fears and then hear, uh, uh, each, the other players talk about, no, that's, that's really a strength. That's what I admire about you. Mm. And, um, uh, biblically, here's how that relates or, yeah. but I mean, just the depth of the guys, I was in awe, like, mm. uh, like a proud parent. Sometimes when yeah. you see kids playing together <laughs> and then one's helping another one and you're like, Man, they're yeah. just the best kids. Yeah. And I'm so blessed. Then two minutes later, they're fighting. And you're like, <laughs> right. Okay. What are we doing? Yes. Yes. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. But for a short period of time, that was great. And by the way, uh, uh, that uh, thank you very much for reading the book because obviously that was toward the end. So you, <laughs> you, made, you made it through the book. Notice us coaches use really small words. So <laughs> read, <you know? laughs> it's a great book. I highly recommend it. You know, it is, I think a lot of people can watch sports and be sports fans and all the things and forget a lot that these are, these are real people on a court or on a field or in a stadium or on, on a tennis court. These are, these are real people, uh, you know, and I often think when I watch college athletics, I think to myself, these are kids like like yeah. my son is the same age as these kids. And I would be so very angry if someone talked about him the way people uh-huh. talk about college athletes. And so I, I really admire this family atmosphere because there is this sense of like togetherness and that shows on a basketball court. Now, we know, Coach, that you guys won the national championship and um, you put in a lot of work leading up to that. I mean, years and years and years. You took a program that nobody said was worth anything and you you took it all the way to, you know, the final dance you won you won the you won the national championship what is it like as as a coach as a player as a program what is the next year after that i mean how do you deal with the we won it all and now we have to go back to start practice again um i'm just always intrigued about what does that feel Mm. like 
Well, I did ask uh, several coaches for advice going into that. And biblically, our, our motto was what's impossible with man is possible with God. And it's so hard to re repeat from the standpoint um, you have, first of all, everyone congratulating you on how great you did the year before. And that's what everyone wants to talk about. And then gives you a false sense, mm -hmm. sense of security. Uh, maybe you're not as motivated. Uh, plus, each year is different. Now, everyone, the biggest game uh, might have been you, but it's even at another level now. So you're getting everyone's A effort. And that, that's why uh, there, there's only been uh, uh, three teams that have done it since the John Wooden days to to been able to repeat. So um, uh, maybe it's just two teams, uh, Duke and Florida, and we wanted to be the third. Uh, and we were 15-0. and 0. We had several in injuries. Um, but I was so proud of what, what the guys were able to accomplish last year uh, because we did – we were ranked number one, did put ourselves in a position uh, uh, to have a chance to repeat. Um, but one thing I'll go back to sports and it teaches you. So, so and, that, and that's part of the reason my dad wrote a book and he always loved, he always wanted to write a book. 1998, my brother had a big shot. We beat Ole Miss, uh, Valparaiso University, and he had a book called Find a Way. And I tell people, if you want a copy, we still got them all in his basement. We'll give it to you. <laughs> I would but love I, one. I would love yeah, one. <laughs> but I never really wanted to write a book. Um, but my dad always said, keep notes, keep notes. And so the reason the book was written was just to show people what God's done with mm. our program and how he's done it. And um, it, it, it's it's it, it's a book, hopefully, if you run a company, a business, um, just different ways to uh, 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 hopefully be successful. And obviously, all of them are biblical principles. Um, so uh, that that's why the the book was written. And and going back to to college athletes, like the pressure they deal with and everything. And that's what's great about. I mean, just like a parent, if your son or daughter misses the game winning shot, do you still love them? Yes. 100%. And I mean, like God loves us regardless if we win or lose. Mm -hmm. And I heard David Pollack in a podcast say this uh, with his kids, and I love it. When they come home from a game, and this is especially with parents that have young kids, because we take it so serious sports, mm -hmm. but did you, number one, did you play as hard as you could play? And number two, did you have fun? Mm. And at, at the end of the day, that's what sports is about. And for us, hopefully, we're playing fearless. We're having fun. But at the end of the day, that shot is not defining you. Right. I mean, God loves you regardless if you make or miss that shot. We win or lose a game, God still loves me. Mm -hmm. So it allows us to enjoy life and keep things in perspective because so often uh, we get things out of whack with uh, uh, a play or this or that. A company has a great earnings report and you're the best thing since sliced bread. The next year you don't and uh, you're the worst thing in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. Which it is why it's so just true. And this is you know, something that we're all trying to do as followers of Jesus, whether you're playing basketball or running a company or, or nursing your baby while you're listening, is we're all trying to really, really ground our identity uh, in Christ. Because at the end of the day, that never changes, like you said. And honestly, for basketball players, no one remembers that missed shot as much as, as you do, you know? And so it's just, it's just a game at the end of the day. Um, Coach, I have enjoyed this so much, and I am so glad that you took the time to be with us. And I'm going to have to get to a Baylor basketball game. I will wear head to toe green i will put my <laughs> i will sick them all day long um, i love it i love it but i'm so excited i would love to hear from you i know you're really busy and you know the guys are about to start the season and stuff um are you a reader do you do you spend time reading are you is there anything you're reading right now that you've loved that you want to tell our listeners about jamie wants to know jamie wants to know we want to know what you're reading
Well, because of this this podcast, I knew you were going to ask this question because you asked Jill this question. So <laughs> you're it, so it, prepared. It, the, the road to joy, but I'm, I'm going to show you this. One of our past players, Isaiah Austin, wrote a book after okay. he was diagnosed with more more fans. Uh, that's Dream Again. And then we had another one of our players wrote a book from the first season, The Leftovers. So uh, there's a couple basketball books right now. What I'm personally reading is. Uh, um, we got all our players uh, uh, new Bibles, and uh, um, and our, our team chaplain has everybody in the Book of John right I now. Love it. So uh, that's what we're reading right now. Uh, um, so <laughs> I'm not a, I'm, I'm a real slow reader, and I'm one of those guys. If I start to read something, I have to finish it. So like it, I read it, I try to knock it out in a day or two, and then and then I move on. But the Bible is something that I obviously consistently. I love it. And I love how prepared you were. Look at that. Well, I wish you guys a phenomenal basketball season. Um, I, I'm not lying when I say I cheer for Baylor every time I can. I'm really proud of y'all's program. Oh, and side note, I meant to tell you this. Um, you had an assistant coach, Paul Mills. Yes. So he coached yeah. my brother in high school. And so he he is really? loves following. Is your brother okay? Is my brother okay? <laughs> he is okay. He is okay. But he coached my brother, so he always loved uh, cheering for him and excited for him and where he is now in his uh, yeah, basketball Coach, career. Coach Mills done an unbelievable job at Oral Roberts, yep. and uh, Co- hey. Coach Mills um, could be a mega church pastor. One of the best. Uh, uh, um, we do. Uh, chapel services mm-hmm. on the road and our assistant coaches lead it but his game jade chapels are just so inspiring and i've grown so much from learning from him over the years he's an amazing man and they went to the sweet 16 that same year uh with oral roberts so yeah they did uh, yep yep yeah. congrats to him well coach thank you so much for your time and um sick on bears well thanks for having me and keep wearing green you are good and green all right you <laughs> thank come to you a game, let us know we'll get you tickets okay that sounds great thank you Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivy, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Ashley Miner, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.